welcome to another episode of Real Estate Insights, the podcast series from Savills that shines a light on every aspect of the property world and gets at the real stories behind the property headlines. There's snow in them there hills and it's time to take a look at what's going on in the ski property market. I'm Guy Ruddle and joining me are the two people behind the annual Savile Ski Report, which is out right now. Sophie Chick is a director in the world research team at Savills, and Jeremy Rollison is a man who hasn't exactly got the worst job in the world. He's head of Savills Ski. Jeremy, do you just spend the winter skiing? About 90%. Oh, geez, I wish I'd not asked now. Do you travel? I presume you travel around a lot, and you know, there's there's lots to do. Yes, it's a bit like Formula One. It sounds or looks very glamorous from the outside, but actually, it's quite hard work on the inside. We have two officers in the French Alps and branded officers in Courcheval 1850 and in Maribel, so they're both in the three valleys. We have associates in Morzine, and then we have collaborators across other key resorts in the French Alps, namely Chamonix and Val d'Isère. Um, and we have a recently opened branded Savills office in Verbier in the Swiss Alps. And your job is to travel around those? Sadly, someone has to do it. Sophie, why haven't you got his job? <laughs> Tell me about it. Unfortunately, uh, wild research is much more all-encompassing than just the ski market. Oh, well. Now, the Savills standout statistic is something we've been doing on the podcast. I, I don't know whether you've been told about it, but uh, what I'm going to do is at the end of this uh, conversation in 10, 15 minutes time or whatever, I'm going to ask you for a, a statistic which stands out to you, something that perhaps is surprising that you think people might not know about uh, or says something about the market or something like that. Are you happy with that? Are you okay with that? Sounds sure. good. Great. So, Sophie, let's start with you. Um, is the chalet market, the ski property market, is it all about snow and how much snow there is? I mean, that is a very important part um, of looking at the ski property market. One of the things we've done, actually, because it's been such a hot topic recently, talking about climate change, is we've actually come up with our Savills Resilience Index, Savills Ski Resilience Index. And that is having a look at different factors, and it helps us have a look at how different resorts are doing. So we look at things like temperature, um, snowfall, the resort altitude, and season length. And we combine all of these factors together and it gives us results of where the most resilient ski resorts are. Jeremy, in in your world, in your life, as you say, you you travel around these places all the time. You must have seen this going on. You must have seen sort of less and less snow. It seems odd saying that. We're recording this just after a huge dump of snow in the Alps over the weekend. But but there is less snow, isn't there? If you'd look back five years ago um, or even to 2011 when there was a dire season across the Alps, I would have agreed with you. And we were saying at the time that if we get five years of poor seasons back to back, then we will have a we will have a problem. And it was about that time that I got asked at a ski conference in Verbier whether or not we researched annual snowfall, to which I said, no, we don't. We're not scientists and we're not, we're not um, meteorologists. But it then got me thinking, and we um, then commissioned the research team two years ago and gave them the opportunity, or rather the challenge, of coming up with the Resilience Index, which came out uh, rather better than expected because it does have an impact on the and the way that we look at ski resorts and the way, the way we uh, rank them, not just in property value terms, but also in their desirability. So, Sophie, who, who scores well in this re- resilience index? 
Well, you do get some resorts that have a bit of an advantage. So Zermatt, for example, uh, whether it's glacier skiing, you've got all year round skiing. So its season length is much longer. That's come out very well. You also get the American resorts, Aspen and Vale have come out very high. They're very high altitude. They get a lot of snowfall. Um, so they've done well as well. Yeah. None of those are places I ski very regularly. Very regularly. That's not the answer I was, I was hoping to hear. And what about, I mean, we ought to get it right into it, prices. You know, when you look at the list of the best prices, or it depends if you're a buyer, worst prices, I guess, it's very interesting that Aspen is right up there at the top, Jeremy, uh, and Vale's in there at about, uh, countdown, one of the, like, six or seven, something like that. That's, apart from that... It's just Europe, isn't it? It's Europe all the way. And the obvious places, Val d'Isère, Courcheval, Verbier, etc., etc., etc. Yes, and the North American market is driven by those two resorts because of their proximity to people who travelled for the best snow. And, you know, the people go to Aspen because of it has that community feel. And that's what we find in the mature resorts in Europe. People want to be in the mature resorts. They, You can buy property more affordably in secondary resorts, but people more and more want to be part of a resort which has a community and infrastructure and where they can go shopping at the luxury end of the market. And the other angle that buyers often look at is the investment angle and you're seeing more and more people looking at other factors to what the resort offers. So one thing is the millennial appeal, um, looking at will this resort cater for, for example, shorter trips? Is it close to transport hubs? So if they're looking at it from an investment point of view, they're going to be looking at wanting to get the best rental returns and often that broader appeal is one of the factors that they're keen to make sure they get right. So let's explore that a little bit, because is that a big part of the market? Who who buys? I mean, you know, we'd all like to, but we don't win the lottery. So who, who buys a chalet? Increasingly, it's the preserve of obviously the wealthy. Um, uh, being an international company, we like to think that we are if you like, the sun seeker of that property sector. So we deal with not just the top end, but the lower end and the middle market as well. But increasingly, we're seeing that the, the money, the cash chasing these investments are actually the, the, is the very wealthy. So whereas 10 years ago, we were selling investment property, as Sophie is alluding to, for half a million to a million, and people are funding this with debt, and they're using the income to... To, to pay and fund that debt. Increasingly, we're seeing people with cash, typically between 5 and 15 million euros, wanting to buy these assets. They may or may not borrow, but they don't necessarily need to. And does that affect the investment market? Does that, Sophie, does that push prices up so that it's harder to, to, to get a return if you're trying to do it as an investment? I think the the investment market, I mean, it's a lot to do with supply and, and where properties are being built that are suitable for that investment. And I think it's really interesting that when we have a look at the owners of ski properties, when they originally bought their property, only 50% of these people were intending to rent out their property. Now, actually, at today's date and in the last season, 80% rented out that property. Wow. And I think that's really interesting because it's become much more easy to rent out that property with all the rise of the short let um, platforms that are out there. So we're definitely seeing more people trying to cover their costs by renting out. So, we're talk- so when we're talking about popularity of different resorts, this, this is one area then, that the idea that you, you need to be near an airport or something like that, or relatively near an airport for short lets and, and the like. Obviously, you need good snow. W- what else do you need to, to be a sort of a popular resort these days? 
I think there's a couple of aspects there. There's also the summer season that we haven't touched on, and that's becoming increasingly important. Um, you know, it's an obvious hedging of bets. If you've got climate change, um, you want to buy somewhere that you can actually use all year round, and that's a popular and pleasant place to go on holiday all year round. And you're really seeing ski resorts embrace this. There are a lot of good examples around the world where they have already do this and you're seeing that more and more in the Alps. Um, The other thing is the wellness trend and that is a trend that we're seeing worldwide driven by millennials but embraced by everyone and um, you're seeing the rise of resorts with spas, um, yoga and ski holidays, a change in cuisine, a rise of vegan menus, that sort of thing comes through. (laughs) I go skiing, I don't go, go to yoga somewhere in, in the Alps. Do you see that when you go around, uh, Jeremy? Do, do you see resorts that are that are doing exactly what Sophie's talking about? Do you have examples? Uh, well, I, I haven't seen people standing on yoga mats, um, you know, 3,000 metres. But what I have witnessed is exactly that um, in terms of the demand. And, and some countries and resorts are faster to respond than others. And I think the other thing to add to Sophie's um, points was um, is the uh, evolution of the infrastructure investment that we've seen across the Alps um, over the last decade. So the Austrians have been traditionally very good at it. They've put in um, fresh lifts and connected large ski or small ski areas to make one large ski area. The French um, and the Swiss have taken a slightly different view, which is they're very they're rather communal in their approach to ski resort and infrastructure investment. And they don't. So when you mean say communal, do you mean commune based rather commune than commune based? Is the yeah. opposite of quite, what we would call quite, sharing and commune. quite feudal, quite uh, quite local, really, in the way that they they look at the way that lift passes for example, uh, are shared and operated within one larger ski area. So they'll offer different ski passes for different ski areas, albeit they're connected. So the Austrians have been ahead in this in this field, and the French uh, have probably taken a few cues. The Swiss have been particularly slow and uh, and are now catching up. They are having to do this in order to survive, in order to compete, in order to, to uh, attract a younger audience. And, and that's, I think, one of the messages that comes out of our research over the last two years that that these ski resorts to maintain their relevance in this changing world and where we've seen the actual overall global ski market actually diminish during uh, the financial crisis. It's just the last 12 months actually increased for the first time since that, since we came out of the financial crisis. So it is a, an, a was traditionally an elite sport until low-cost carriers came along and allowed many people to take what um, was what previously a very expensive winter holidays. And can a single things change resorts? Can a re- I mean, obviously a new lift will make a big difference, but can a restaurant or a new hotel or something like that, can they have a big impact? You- Not in isolation, no, but I think what it does, it, it's, um, it's a bit of like a domino effect. For example, in Verbier, the W Hotel opened four years ago. Uh, Starwood owns branded uh, residence and, a, and, and high-end five-star hotel. And that has really created waves in Verbier. So um, it was already a cosmopolitan resort, but it's now even more cosmopolitan. And what it does is then it attracts other um, high-end retailers into the resort. And similar effect um, in Megev, where you've had the Four Seasons Hotel recently open. And I would expect to see, as say, a domino effect where other people move in and um, other restaurateurs or, or uh, retailers feel that it's uh, their, their time. And we have many developers and, uh, say, global hotel brands looking to invest in the Alps right now. 
But one thing we haven't talked about, so sorry, go on. I was just going to interject there and say also the the other thing that can really help change a resort is when they begin to do things like putting on festivals. So that really helps with the millennial appeal. So, for example, in Myhofen, they put on snow bombing. That's helped give the resort a reputation as a younger millennial resort that people want to go to if they're looking for that apres ski and and, uh, after-party environment. What's snow bombing? Is it like a music festival? Or it's a music festival. Oh, okay, now I know. How old did I sound just then? <laughs> so the one thing we haven't talked about is what's happening to prices. Uh, are they going up, down, or whatever? Do, are they sort of pretty static generally at ski chalet prices? It, it varies enormously, Guy, from resort to resort. So th- this w- is one of the things that makes our job, or rather Sophie's job, quite hard when uh, disseminating the information and um, having accumulated the data, what a price is actually doing. So it would be easy to say, well, the price is going up 5% or down 10% or whatever it might be, but each resort is very different. So on that basis then, we, come on, we've all, well, not me, but uh, you two have just won the lottery each not not together. So you've got five, uh, let's say three million pounds or euros or whatever to spend on a chalet in any resort you like. So the first question is, are you going to choose somewhere where you like to ski or are you going to choose somewhere to invest, Sophie? Uh, I would choose somewhere I like to ski. Jeremy? Snap. Right. So where, I know it sort of kind of negates the question now, but anyway, where would you spend your, did I say three, three million, three million pounds? Who wants to go first? Jeremy, you're, you, you, you spend your whole life going around these places. Where would you put the three, spend three million quid? Well, well, you weren't going to end up losing. I'm naturally biased, so I, I would be looking to buy in Switzerland because um, that's where I think um, it's an interesting play. Um, a lot of our high net worth clients want to invest in Switzerland. Um, there are there are many resorts in Switzerland where you could where you could readily spend three million. Um, but I would su- suggest somewhere like Verbier, um, which is our most popular so resort. So boring. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Sorry, I interrupted you. Is it your most popular resort? Is it- it's yes. Yeah, so seventy five percent of our of our inquiries that go onto our website look look who are looking in Switzerland click on Verbier first. Do they really? Sophie, I didn't actually ask you whether you're a skier. You presume you are a skier. I right? am a skier. Yes. Yeah. Where would you buy um, somewhere well, more interesting? Can you come up with somewhere a little bit more interesting well, than Verbier? I, having just talked about Myhofen, I and been skiing there myself. I would definitely, um, in, I definitely enjoy the skiing and uh, and the after skiing there environment. So I think that would be my top pick. And it is true that neither Jeremy or I is a millennial, and you are. Now, come on, the Savile standout statistic. We were talking about this earlier. Have you got one each? Something that something that sort of grabs you, that, that elucidates the market. Is elucidate a word? It is now. Uh, something that elucidates the market. And, 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 and have you, who wants to go first? Jeremy, why don't you go first? The next Winter Olympics will take place in Beijing and the surrounding province in 2022. And currently, there are just 12.9 million Chinese skiers. But the Chinese have a vision to create 300 million new skiers or snow sport uh, aficionados by 2022. And just to put that into perspective, there are today in the world only 120 million skiers. Oh, my word. Sophie. 
Uh, mine's a slightly um, more geeky stat than oh, that. Excellent. I like am a bit of from, geeky. Uh, from the research department, after all. Um, and I think coming back to that summer season and really diversifying, one of the standout stats from our survey was that there's currently a 71% difference between peak season rents and low season rents. But there's a huge variation in that. So those investors that are looking to maximise their returns, you can really change, make a change on that depending on which resort you pick and whether you're going for somewhere that has that summer season or really doesn't. There you are. That's it. That's the way to... See? That's the way to do a Savile standout statistic. Uh, That's it, I think, for this episode of Real Estate Insights. Thank you both very much for being here. I hope you've enjoyed the experience. And if all that's done is whet your appetite for more information, then please check out the Savile Ski Report that these two guys have just finished putting together. You'll find it in the research section of the Savile's website, savile's.co.uk slash research. And if you don't want any more information, just want to look at some fantastic pictures, some fantastic ski pictures, you'll find plenty there. You can also find uh, it from the link in the episode information of this podcast. And if you want to become one of the growing band of people who just can't bear the thought of missing out on a single episode of Real Estate Insights, then please subscribe to us using your usual podcast provider. You could even rate us or review us, which I'm told boosts our search rankings. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening and see you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.